to give everyone a heads up. If my voice <clears throat> cuts out in the middle of my message this morning, it's because I was screaming all night last night. Um, and it wasn't because Isabella was beating me up or anything, but <laughs> we had the, uh, fall f- the bonfire last night. And my job was to have my legs sawed off and scream the entire time. And so for about an hour straight, I was just screaming. And I can't really talk right to this morning. So don't worry, my leg was not actually sawed off, in case you're wondering. I, I am, it was purely fake. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's ironic that we... Uh, we, we had that last night with the haunted walk and everything like that, and now our series is combating evil. It's a, it's a short series, you know. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're going to be studying this for the next three weeks. And what, what I want us to understand is this series is not about how do we see angels and demons and all that. We're looking at... What is evil? Where did it come from? Why does God allow it? And then how do we move forward through life knowing that evil and chaos and suffering is there and we're worshiping a God who's greater than that? And that's what we're going to be doing throughout this series. It's just a short three-week series. Um, and this morning, we're going to try to tackle that big question, if God exists, why is there evil? So, you know, that's what we have to tackle this morning, in case you uh, didn't think we tackled tough questions here at Freedom. I want to open us with a word of prayer first, and I, I'll dive right in and, and um, explain everything moving forward. Father God, this morning we are going to be studying a question, a question that in the world today, a lot of people don't want to come to your church because of this question. God, how can you be there? How can you be a good God if evil is running rampant on the world? So, Lord, I, I ask that as we study this, your spirit fills us with wisdom and that we're moved by your spirit's answering, that we are given strength to combat some of these hindrances that people in the world might have, but as we study this question, God, move us closer to you. Put a desire in us to to lean on you all the more, to exalt you, to to see your son sacrificed in an even fuller sense of what it is. Thank you, God, for your love for us. Speak through me this morning as we study your word. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. So as I said, this question is one that, you know, it's one that really, if you ask a lot of Christians, especially, or if you ask a lot of young people, um, or people that that don't want to be Christians, why, what's your hang-up on becoming a Christian? What's your hang-up on worshiping God? A lot of times you'll get the answer, well, evil. If evil exists, how does a good God exist? And so because of this question, there's often two sides of it. Either, as we believe that a good God exists and we worship him, but evil still exists all the same. And we see that all throughout scripture, all throughout our lives. But there's two other sides to it. Some will say, well, 
because evil exists, God can't exist. And others will say, because God exists, evil can't exist. Those are the two sides that are in opposition to Christianity. Now, one side, that the side that says that because, because God exists, evil can't exist, they're... Um, we can refute, we can get rid of their, uh, their assumption, and, and this, there's a limerick, and I was going to um, give this limerick with my best Irish accent, but then I thought, well, you know, that's going to offend a lot of Irish people, so I'm not even going to try to do that. <laughs> I, I was literally practicing it in my office this morning, and I was like, that sounds more Indian than Irish, so that's where I'm going to try that. <laughs> but here's the limerick. There was a faith healer of Deal who said, although pain isn't real, if I sit upon a pin and I puncture my skin, I dislike what I fancy I feel. Anyone able, I dislike what I fancy I feel. Here's the point in that. You can't deny evil's existence because we all suffer. We all experience pain. We all experience tragedy. To say suffering doesn't exist is to discount all of human history. You can't just simply say, I don't like what I fancy that I feel. That that's, doesn't make sense. So just human experience throws away the side that says that because God exists, evil doesn't exist. But then to say that, ev God doesn't, but to say that evil exists, so then God doesn't exist, is also throwing stuff aside. C.S. Lewis, I, I don't know if any of you know who C.S. Lewis is. I hope so. He's one of the greatest Christian writers of the, 19, or of the 20th century. He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and so many other good books. He was an atheist. And when he, was, he, he wrote in his book, Mere Christianity, which is one of the best books on the Christian faith. And in that book, he said, when I was an atheist, my argument against God was that the universe seemed cruel and unjust. But how had I gotten this idea of just and unjust. A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a line that is straight. So in that one sentence, here's what C.S. Lewis is saying. I can't know what evil is unless I know what good is. So you can't say that because evil exists, God doesn't exist because I wouldn't know what evil was unless God existed. So here's the conundrum we're in then. How can we say that a good God exists while simultaneously seeing suffering, experiencing suffering, looking at, at the, what's happening in Haiti and seeing these 17 Christian missionaries who are bringing support to people in need now held hostage for their life? How can we look at that and say, well, there's a good God? How do we as Christians combat this understanding? This morning, we're going to look at, at three questions. Look at what is evil, where did evil come from, and the ultimate question, why is evil allowed? And this is some pretty difficult stuff, some pretty heavy stuff. And I, I, when I preach, I, my goal in preaching is to find a scripture and exegete that scripture. And, and we study one scripture, we pull everything from it, and then we find other scriptures to fill in parts of that. 
This morning we're doing it a little bit different. We're looking at truth that we know to exist throughout all of Scripture, that God exists and evil exists. And we're asking this question, God exists and why does evil exist? And we're going to be jumping around all throughout the, the Bible to answer this question. And so the first one, in order to answer the question, why does evil exist or why does God allow evil, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, what is evil? And in order to answer that, we have to ask another question. Did God create it? Did God, as he's creating and forming the universe, did he create evil? Because if he did create evil, we could just call evil, oh, it's just part of God's creation. And because it's part of God's creation, we can study it, we can uh, mold it, we can shape it, we can use it because God created evil. We conclude that God didn't create evil, we have to come up with another explanation for it. So, look at Genesis 1, 31. This is the end of the creation account. God has gone through all of the days of creation, and in Genesis 1, 31, it says God saw all that he had made, everything that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening and morning came this day. Now that verse there is a formulaic saying that is there every single day of creation. That God saw what he had made and it was good. There was evening, there was morning, the blank day. That, that's a saying that's part of every aspect, every day of his creation. And then on the final day, God looks at it all and he says, this is very good. So if we say that God created evil, we would have to say the scripture is lying here. That God didn't look at everything that he had made and say, this is very good. Because if it had been very good and he had created evil, then he would be lying. So we can't conclude that God created evil. And if God didn't create evil, then where does evil come from? Where does suffering, where does pain, where does, does hardship and chaos, where does that come from after God created all things to be very good? There's a... a, a a writer, probably the, one of the two greatest Christian thinkers in church history, and I'm so excited to say that my uh, son's going to have the middle name of the second greatest Christian thinker, and Isabella hates that, but I'm telling you all, it's Grayson Thomas after Thomas Aquinas, so she can't take that away from me. She gets to name every other part of it. It's going to be, her child's going to be named after Thomas Aquinas. That's so exciting. <laughs> Show you my nerdum. The, uh, the other, and, 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 and what we teach today in church is Thomas Aquinas, a lot of it comes from him, a lot of it comes from a guy named Augustine in the 300s and 400s. Augustine explains evil in this sentence. Evil is the privation of goodness. Now what he's not saying is it's the non-existence He's not saying that evil is when goodness runs away and now evil takes its place. It's the privation of goodness. Another way to say it is evil is the rot, it's the rust inside of goodness. I asked Wendell to bring me two nails today. I asked him to bring me a clean nail and a rusty nail. I don't have rusty nails because they don't work right. So I have a kind of rusty nail here. Now here's how we explain the existence of evil. The metalworker made this nail, 
He made it clean and perfect, and and there wasn't any corruption. There was no rust within it. It was created to do exactly what it was meant to do, to drive into a piece of wood, hold that piece of wood together, and to go straight down. But at the same time, we have rusty nails. We have nails that aren't clean, that are covered in, in rust. Now, do we say that the metal was creating a nail and looked at, at, at all of his clean nails and say, you know what, I'm going to create a nail that is specifically rusty this time. I'm going to put the rust directly on that nail as I'm creating that nail. Well, that would be a horrible metallurgist. He wouldn't make any money. That would be stupid. Where does the rust come from? You have to have a clean, good nail in order for the rust to come into the nail. It wasn't created rusty. Rust in and of itself isn't going to exist. Rust comes into the metal over time, over weather. It doesn't just simply exist out of nothing. I'm going to put this in my pocket, and I know I'm going to. That's what evil is. Evil cannot exist without good. But what evil is, is it's the rust. It's the rot. It's the corruption, the privation of goodness. So you have something good, and rot, rust, seeps into the goodness, and that is evil. Now what that means is you can't have evil unless you have goodness. The two exist together. So then, if God created all things good, though, where did the rust come from? What was the weather that brought the rust onto the goodness? What was the weather that caused goodness to have evil wrought within it? This is from Romans chapter 5. This is Paul writing. Therefore, Romans 5.12, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. So evil is rusted goodness. It's rotted goodness. But we can say that if God created all things good, why didn't he just create the prevention of rust getting into the goodness? But what Paul said, rust, this rot came in because Humanity sinned, and in sinning, we brought death. And that's where the corruption of God's goodness happens. That's where evil takes root. So the the first question, what is evil? It's the rot inside of goodness. The second question, where did evil come from? What came from us? And you might be asking yourself, well, why would God allow for evil to happen? Why would God allow for us to, to even get to this point where we choose to sin? death into this world? And the answer is because he created all things good. That might seem like an oxymoron. If he created all things good, why is there evil? Well, let me ask you this. Is it good that we are free? Is freedom a good thing? Would you look at your life and say, oh, I would rather not be free? I don't think any of us would. Freedom is good. So in order for God to look down at his creation and say, It is very good. There has to be freedom. What's freedom if not the option to choose good or to choose evil? 
God created all things good, and in creating all things good, he had to create free will. And free will is our option to say, I'm going to choose good, or I'm going to choose evil. So as God is creating all things, he says, I'm creating them good, but I know that there is an option, there is a possibility that evil is going to enter in through my good creation because I made my good creation to be that, to have free will. And that's where, what happens. And we know that's what happens. I want to read a couple passages here. One is first. Now, this passage in Revelation 12, it is, Re- Revelation chapter 12 is a recount of human history from a supernatural lens. And listen to what happens in verses 1 through 4. It says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she went about, as she was about to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on its head were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman to give birth, so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. Now, symbolically, we all understand that. This is Satan. And the woman represents the offspring of humanity bringing about Christ. The question is, is where did Satan come from? What does it mean when it says that tail swept away a third of the stars of of sky? Literal translation, a third of the heavenly bodies. What does that mean? Paul is writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy about ministry. And specifically in chapter 3, he's writing about the qualifications of elders. When he's installing elders in the church, this is what you're looking for. Now listen to this antidote that he puts in here. This is 1 Timothy 3.6. Talking about an elder, he must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. What we get from this reference here is that Paul is, is, is saying Satan, the condemnation he faced was he was kicked out. He was thrown out of the heavenly realm because he was conceited. Because he desired himself. Because he desired God's power. Because he desired his, his own selfish gain. And in getting kicked out, what do we learn from Revelation? He took a third of the heavenly bodies, a third of the angels alongside of him. Now, what's the point that I'm making all of this? God didn't just give free will to us. He gave it to these heavenly beings. That in order for his creation to be good, we have to be willing to have, we have to have freedom to choose good or to choose evil. So where does the evil come from? It comes from our choice to choose that which isn't good. It comes from our choice to abandon God, to seek something other than God, to seek ourselves rather than glorifying God. Evil originated as inside of the goodness of free will. Without free will, we wouldn't have evil because evil is the rot of free will. But without free will, God couldn't have created things to be good. 
Now, here's, here's where we're kind of getting deep here. So I hope you're following along, because I know that this might be one of those messages where it's, we're uh, bouncing all around, we're, we're talking about some things that are deep and, and maybe not interesting, but they're very important. A major problem within the upcoming generation, Gen Z, that they have with Christianity and religion is evil. It's the suffering, is the chaos in the world. So how are we as the church going to reach this generation if, we, if they ask us how can God exist when everything in this world is suffering and chaos and we say, well, I don't know. We have to understand this. We have to know this question. Why would God allow evil to exist? Okay, we get that it comes from the rot and the goodness of free will, but God just allow it to exist. In uh, Job, the book of Job, the book of Job is what's called a theophany. What that means is it's a revelation of God. It's a, it's a, a revelation of, of, of a message directly from God put into symbolic terms and imagery. In the opening parts of the book of Job, we get this picture of the courtroom of God, of the throne room of God. And it says in verse 6, One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, Where have you come from? From roaming through the earth. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Satan answered the Lord, does Job, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge of protection around him, his household and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands and the possessions, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch your hand out and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face." Very well, the Lord said to Satan. Everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Sometimes might struggle with this passage. Because what's taking place here? God is the one that signs off on Job's suffering. Now we can take this to mean that God is simply looking down passively on Job's suffering and saying, hope you figure it out. But what I see here, and what we're meant to see throughout the entire book of Job, is that God still has control over it all. He is the one that allows it to take place. Evil isn't just flying around willy-nilly. It's not just like Satan has no chains on him. He has no one that he answers to. He's just going out and doing whatever he wants. It's like the president signing off on a military conflict. He has to be the one that signs off on it. He is still sovereign over evil, but evil exists because God is good. As weird as that might sound. Here's a, an, an example to explain that a little bit. Picture, if you will, you have a, a kid who's in high school. And, you know, your high school kids, they always want to go over to a friend's house. And so they come up to you and say, Mom, Dad, I, I want to go to someone's house. 
else tonight. Okay. Now you know that your high school child has a really big school project due in a couple days. But you also know that it'd be good for them to go to this friend's house. So you say, okay, you can go, but you have to get this school project done or else you won't be able to go to the big homecoming game tomorrow night. She's, they say, oh, oh, okay, that's a fair deal. I'll, I'll make sure to get this work done and, and I'll go to the game tomorrow night. And so the next day comes and your, your child is getting painted up for the game because, you know, we all paint ourselves up for, for football games. And you walk in and you say, okay, are you, uh, did you get your big project finished? And you say, well, no, I, I never got around to doing it. Now, what is your answer as a parent? Oh, it's okay. There's no consequences. Everything you do, you can just do whatever you want, and nothing is going to happen. Well, that's not what a good parent says, because there is consequences. And your answer is, well, listen, we made a deal that if you didn't listen to I gave you the freedom to decide. Now, you, you can't go to this game. You've got to stay home and finish this. Now, who would we say is at fault here? The parent or the kid? Because what's happening here is the same thing that's happening in creation. God created freedom in a good way. He created us to have freedom because he is good. But what happened out of our freedom? Evil rotted. So what does a good God say? Oh, you know what? I don't care. You can stay with me. No, a good God that is fully, infinitely righteous says, your suffering is going to be in the world now. I told you to follow me. I told you that if you lived in my ways, if you were obedient to me, you would live. He says that to Adam and Eve. You can eat from anything, but eat, don't eat from this. Don't disobey me, and you will live. But what did they do? They let rot seep into the goodness of free will, and the consequence is suffering. And evil. So why does God allow evil to exist? Because he's good. Because he follows his word. And he said this is what would happen if you allow good to be rotted by evil. Now that might be a little bit of a somber ending. Maybe you weren't thinking that you would hear that because evil exists, it proves God's good. But it does. And basically, what we've gone over today is, I, I, I even put a flow chart up because I knew that this would be uh, difficult to, to go over. We learned that God is good. And he created all things to be good. God created free will because free will is good. Evil is the rot inside of the goodness of free will. Evil exists then because God created all things to be good. And because God is still good, he has to allow it to keep existing. Because it's part of what happened in the world when it fell. But now here's the hope. I'm not just going to leave us here on this somber moment. Here's, here's the conclusion of it all. Evil exists. Suffering exists. We can look into every news piece and see the world's going to pot. 
Mom used to say, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Suffering and evil is out there. But God just doesn't say, okay, have at it. That's your mistake. Deal with it. He has to let it exist because it's part of the goodness of his creation. But because he's merciful, because he is full of love, because he is righteous, because he has wrath against wickedness, he also had to remedy it. And that's what happens in Christ. And we talked about that in our series weeks ago about the atonement, that through Christ, God pours wrath out on sin and suffering and gives mercy to us who trust in him. And in Revelation 21, we get a glimpse that God has over evil. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. The sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people's God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new, right, because these words are faithful and true. Yes, evil exists. And their existence is there because God is good. And we say that Micah Hescock, in order to get his youth, whenever they're all riled up, in order to get them to listen, he says, God is good, and everyone replies all the time. You know, I, I wonder how often we really believe when we look at the world and the state that it's in that God is good. The truth is, suffering points to God's goodness. And the redemption of suffering, the recreation, points to God's sovereignty, to his victory, to his love. And what we just read in Revelation is a glimpse of heaven. There is no death. There is no crying. There is no pain. There is no sickness. There are no more tears because evil and suffering are no more. But the only access we have is through Christ. The one who defeated. The one who gave us his mercy on the cross. So we either get to this new heaven, this new New Jerusalem through Him, and we don't evermore experience the suffering, the evil, the chaos, the pains of sin. Well, we're cast away from God because sin is still in us. Because out of our free will, we chose evil. And that can't be in God's presence. It all comes down to that. What do we choose? Evil is inherent within us. Sin is inherent within us because Adam and Eve chose that. 
But now we have a new choice. Who do we follow? Do we follow ourselves the same way that Satan fell, followed himself and fell? same way Adam and Eve followed themselves and fell? Or do we follow Christ who brings us into this eternity without suffering, without evil? This morning, I hope that's what you have devoted yourself to follow. And if you haven't devoted it to that, if you want to experience the new creation, if you want to experience an eternity without the evil, without suffering, without the pangs of sin, and I implore you, I beg you to give your life to Christ because he is the only access to that. That is the free will choice that we make that makes up for the free will choice that brought rot into God's goodness. So this morning, as we close in a song of worship, a song that is about having it well within us, even as suffering is existing, if you have a decision to make, if you have something to bring forward, now's the time to do it. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. But remember, it is only through Christ that we gain access to the eternity without evil. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, this morning we saw just deep how pervasive this issue of evil and suffering is. But God, you are there. You exist. In spite of it all, through it all, you are good. God, you gave us Christ in your goodness. Lord, help us to be believers that are devoted constantly to worshiping through Christ. Place on a heart of anyone in here, Lord, that isn't in Christ to make that commitment, to make that free will choice to follow him so that they can experience an eternity without suffering, an eternity in a new creation where all things have been restored. Thank you for that promise, God, for that hope that we get to look forward to even while living in a broken and fallen world today. It's in your son's name. Amen.